What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 18 of Off the Post Boston Sports with myself, Brandon, and my main partner, Carter. How you doing, bud? Doing fantastic. How are you? Doing good. Still uh, still really pumped, excited about what I saw last night with the Boston Bruins. I still can't get over it. It seemed like the Bruins were rolling all four lines. Patrice Bergeron was being his Patrice Bergeron self and doing fantastic things. David Krejci is being playoff David Krejci, and the top line is doing top line things. Yeah, and I have to start with I've been the guy to – Dump all over Krejci for a couple years now saying that he's not playing the type of hockey he needs to per the contract that he signed up for. And he's done that recently over the past few years when it comes to a regular season. But playoff Krejci is in uh, rare form right now. Oh, he's in prime playoff Krejci form. He, it's, it's just what he tends to do, I would say, this time of year. But come playoff time, this is typically what he does. And I think that gets overlooked by a lot of David Krejci haters in the regular season. And you just have to say, wait for the postseason to hit. He'll be a completely different player, which is, you know, unfortunate that he's not as consistent as you would like him to be in the regular season. But it's a player that you want come playoff time. Agreed. And it was when you talk about the perfection line, it was good to see a overall true strong performance against a very, very good Tampa Bay Lightning team by all three guys. Pasternak with a goal. Marshan with a goal. I think Marshy also had an assist. Like you said, Bergeron doing Bergeron things. And it's funny how you end the regular season ranked number one in the NHL. You end the regular season by being number one in power rankings. You slip up in three-round robin games. You drop almost to eight in power rankings and in Vegas – and then you beat a good Carolina team 4-1, to one, and then still 12 out of 16 analysts take Tampa over Boston in this series, which I don't know how shocked you were with that, but that I, I, was, I, I was bothered. See, I'm not surprised with it when you look at the depth and the strength that Tampa has in their, with their six defensemen. It's pretty incredible what they, what they can roll with, with three lines of, of D and Vasilevsky and net when 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 he's on because when Vasilevsky's on he far outnumbers Yaro Halak in in experience and talent but I think what these analysts are looking at is that a they know that Tampa is looking for redemption from the last year they got past Columbus in the first round this year and I think it just isn't at you know you look at you know Tuka Rask leaving that decreases uh, Boston's chances of going to the, of going farther in the playoffs, and it's just not as deep in terms of talent with rolling four lines with Boston. So I don't fault the analysts for just looking at the sheer at the numbers and you know the names on the stat sheet. And I can sign off on that. Still don't like it, but I can sign off on it. Um, if you noticed last night, the physicality level on our side was huge. Um, I feel if you if you take guys like Point out of the game physically and mentally that helps your chances. But then our forward checking was laying hits on guys like Hedman who aren't used to getting hit. They're used to being the hitter, not the hit eat. And it threw them all off their game completely. Tampa looked like a lost child in a grocery store looking for their parent. Like it was bad. It was a little bit surprising. And I think that's what people don't see when they, when they're wondering where's Nick Ritchie, why is he on the ice? Well, you look at a guy like Victor Hedman or Raiden Point, and they're shaken up because Nick Ritchie's coming after them. Agreed. 
the four check is a must. I mean, granted, it's always a must, but against a team like Tampa, and you know as well as anybody else, there's a difference between four checking for the puck and four checking for the puck and the body. And we were doing both of them last night. We were four checking, even when the puck was gone, we were still laying some sort of physical hit. And whether it's a hard hit, a soft hit, those hits add up over a 60 minute game on the ice. Absolutely. You give Tampa Bay a time in their defensive third, they're going to break out very quickly and very physically. If you don't, if you don't give them any space to breathe, they're going to struggle. They're going to let guys like, you know, nine times Selkie nominated Patrice Bergeron pick your pocket three feet outside of your crease. Agreed. Now, the thing with a team like Tampa that a lot of people aren't thinking right now, yes, Boston's up one nothing in the series. The fans are excited. I'm excited. It's a good start. Tampa could end the series 4-1. to one. They're just that powerful of a team. They could come out tomorrow night and destroy us. Like, we have to continue to play the game that we played last night. You can't have your typical sloppy seconds that the Bruins normally have in the second period. You truly have to play a full 60 because Tampa's not a team that makes mistakes. And Tampa is a type of team that does like to rebound, just like they did last night when they almost tied it up. That game was a lot closer than what the stat sheet showed. Which, by the way, if we hit those three open net chances, by the way, let me say that again, three open net, empty net chances. This game, that's not a 3-2 game. That's a, that's a 4-2 that's a four two game, maybe 4-1 game at best. And for those of you that are quite... I think, I think those two goals in the last couple of minutes of that game gave Tampa life for the rest of the series. If we shut them out or we let them only have one goal and bury that empty net, I think Tampa's coming into game two with a completely different attitude. So one thing we have to, we, we've got to learn to take away or it is going to be a problem throughout the entire series. Stop letting the point, the, the point, that, their defensive point, shoot the puck. Those guys shoot well. They're not your typical defensemen that are just big and strong. They can shoot, all of them, every single one of them. The second we were up 3-1, to one, they pulled their goalie, and I saw Hedman with the puck at the blue line. I was like, don't let him shoot, don't let him shoot, and he shot and scored. You can't lead the point open on a consistent basis. Halak played on his head, which he's going to have to throughout most of the series, but you can't let that team score like that. Which, by the way, to Halak's credit, both of those goals clipped off of and unfortunately, both of them clipped off of Charlie McAvoy's shin pad. But, you know, so you could say, you know, looking at the angles, you could say, well, he saw it all the way. I don't care if he saw it all the way. If that gets deflected even a little bit, it's going to throw you off enough. Yeah, a goalie is not playing a quote-unquote or quote-unquote deflection. A goalie is playing the puck in general. That's why if you look at what – I don't want you to spit a number out here, but probably 60% of your goals are based off of deflections. And it's not something a goalie prepares himself for. You played goalie in, in soccer. You're not playing for a deflection. You're playing the ball and how you see it coming at you, just like a goalie in hockey plays the puck. You're not thinking, okay, it's going to deflect off his hip, and I'm going to have to be in this position. You're not doing that. It's impossible. Exactly. You're reading the flight of the ball as it comes off their foot, or you're reading the, you're reading the flight of the puck as it comes off the stick. Yeah, and, and that goes for any sport. That's, I mean, even in basketball, you can try and predict a rebound off the glass, but you don't know where that ball's going. Exactly. Speaking of basketball, the Bruins, excuse me, wow, the uh, the Celtics swept a well depleted uh, Philadelphia 76ers roster with no Ben Simmons and 
and Tobias Harris coming in and out of the roster. And a 76ers that lost 4-1 to last season just to get swept after dropping an additional $300 million onto their roster. It's just – I'm just waiting for that process to be trustworthy out in Philadelphia because <laughs> they've been lying to everyone so far. Yeah, they. The, I want to give their marketing person all the credit in the world for coming out with Trust the Process because it was a great selling point. But at some point when the process continues to fail on a yearly basis, you really it's, – It's just – you look at their record away from home and it's just terrible. And then the fact that they have to play completely away from home with no completely obnoxious Philadelphia fans – and, and tack on to the fact that Tobias Harris wasn't his normal self and you had no Ben Simmons, I, you just it's not a good basketball team. And see, I will tell everybody this, and I'll argue it till I'm blue in the face, whether it's hockey or basketball in the playoffs right now, no matter what number seed you are, no matter how many quote-unquote home games you get, those are irrelevant. Yes, in hockey, you get that last change, which can determine the outcome of a game. But I, I'll be point blank. You can't tell me that last night's game, we go up 3 nothing in two periods in Tampa, on Tampa's ice, with their crowd, like, and same goes to basketball. It's so, home advantage is gone. It's depleted. It's not there anymore. So whatever number, quote, unquote, seed you are, that's irrelevant. Besides the matchup that you get, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Virtual crowd does not do anything. No, I'm... I I was all for just natural sound. Anytime, like I said, anytime the Premier League was on over in England and you had the opportunity when streaming games, you had the opportunity to opt in for natural sound or enhanced, what is what they called it, uh, with the crowd noise, I always opted in for just natural natural sound because it's it sounds of the game that you don't normally get to hear as a fan. And you hear all the different strategies, you hear all the communications, it's a completely different it's a completely different game. No, it's absolutely different. So when I hear, yes, hockey, the last change, yes, 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 that can help a game. But the crowd, the crowd in general, gone. Now, the Celtics, the Celtics do not have an easy second round going against a high-powered, on-fire Raptors. An on-fire, Kawhi Leonardless Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse team. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be ugly. The fact that they lose one of the best players in the NBA, and I'm talking top three in the NBA, and continue to do what they're doing now is very impressive by that organization. And it's one of the reasons, probably one of the main reasons, why Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year. Yeah. And the fact we, we will be – we will be Haywardless, if you want to say it that way. Which, depending on who you ask, may or may not impact us at all. Agreed. So, the fact that, I, I don't know, he's the type of player right now to where even when his ankle feels better in three weeks, four weeks, whatever the time frame is, the question is, do you bring him back? If you do, is he, a, is he an off-the-bench guy? Which I think if we're rolling and we do well in this series and we do advance to the next series – I might bring Hayward off the bench. I agree. I think he's your ultimate bench player right now. He's not an hundred. He's not at a hundred percent. He's got playoff experience. 
and and he's a voice in the locker room. He's a he's a he's a veteran presence. And and any advice that you can give to those guys on the bench while they're watching play roll, I think that's that's more of a teammate that you can ever ask for. And for anybody that wants to say that Hayward wouldn't do something like that, Hayward is the last guy to argue that. He's a team player. He's great in the community. He's a good person. He he does not let how good he is go to his head. If Stevens looks at him and said, hey, we're going to have you come off the bench, he'll be like, all right, coach. And he will perform when he comes off the bench. That's just who that guy is on and off the court, period. Yeah, you can't ask for, you can't ask for much more. Now, speaking of coming off the bench, interesting issue right now in New England. Stidham reportedly has the hip slash groin issue that could keep him out of practice or not in full participation for an extended period of time. So that battle that we were looking at where it was going to be a Cam, maybe even Hoyer, I hate to even say that, Stidham battle is now dwindled. And today, Cam Newton threw two beautiful passes to Nikhil Harry against J.C. Jackson in practice today in the red zone that were phenomenal. And uh, I'll call it like it is. I'm saying Cam's going to be the starting quarterback regardless. But I definitely know if Stidham is going to have a reoccurring hip issue slash groin, whichever one they end up releasing, um, I don't see how you can't start Cam Newton in week one. Every tweet. Every report that I'm seeing about Patriots practice and Patriots training camp is pointing towards is saying is saying Cam Newton's pulling away with the job. He's solidifying himself as a starter. He's gelling with guys like Edelman and Sanu and, and Nikhil Harry and he's building chemistry with everyone. I just it sounds like from an outsider's perspective, it sounds like he's doing all the right things. And that's why we're gonna really miss these preseason games, is we're not gonna be able to get a taste of of Newton versus Stidham versus Hoyer, who's, you know, not truly in the conversation. Um, but we're, it's, that's where we're going to miss being able to just get a preview of what it might look like. Speaking of miss, where I'm concerned with Cam Newton as a starting quarterback, during the pandemic, Cam Newton feeds off of fan energy. Cam Newton loves to show everything off in front of the fans. Cam, I, I live, I've lived in North Carolina since he's been here. I've seen it in person. He feeds off a crowd energy. New England Patriots, unlike some teams like Miami, uh, Kansas City, um, and other venues that have said, hey, we're going to allow 10 to 20% capacity, New England has released that they will have zero fans for at least the month of September. And what concerns me with that is how Cam Newton is going to produce without being able to feed off that fan energy. And if him just trying to play hard to earn his own money based off his contract incentives is going to be enough to perform at that level. See, what I will say to that is I think Cam is looking past the fans at this point. I think he's looking towards everyone who's doubted him, everyone who's turned their backs on him, and everyone who said that he can't perform anymore. I think what he wants to do is prove to everyone, every organization, every coach, every owner, that he – is still an MVP quarterback. He's still a number one overall draft pick, and he should be earning big money. I think well, that's going to be the motivator. Which That's a great way to look at it because I, I, I went right up and I was like, you know what? After seeing him in Carolina for so many years, he's all about the fans. And 
the I've always con- called it the taunting aspect because yes, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've never been a fan of Cam Newton because when he's winning, he's gloating. When he's losing, he's pouting. And when we've had a quarterback like Tom Brady for years that is the same person winning or losing, even though he can get angry and slam a helmet or some, something, which to me is more passion than pouting. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the NFL will be fine. I want to ask you, Carter, they had 77 positive tests. Then they sent those tests over to a different lab that works for the NFL. And overnight, all 77 positive tests returned negative tests. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's Roger Goodell trying to get a season going. I think he feels his pocketbook starting to get a little bit light. And I think that the fact that it's a lab that works for the NFL says everything they needs to say. It's it's just sort of like, well, why would you, you know, we have 77 positive tests. There's 53 guys on a roster. How many ever many, you know, minus, you know, or, or tack on practice players and practice squads and however many players that turns out to be. But we have 77 positive tests. This could potentially cancel our season and lose us billions of dollars. I mean, I just wish if that's the case, come on, NFL, do better. If you had 77 positives and you're going to skew it, are you going to be able to have a report come back to where they're negative? Don't say they came back negative overnight. Come on. I have very low expectations for what Roger Goodell is good for. Do you, do you, see <laughs> you the look season? at what he did with Dave Portnoy, who was prepared to donate a quarter of a million dollars to sit and watch a football game, and then – you, we we all know what happened there. So I I just don't expect much out of Roger Goodell, and this is pretty much par for the course, if, if I'm right. Do you see the season being able to go the full season and completing it, or do you I, see no, there being an I interruption? Don't. I absolutely don't. I think, it's, I think we're going to run into what Major League Baseball ran into early, and if just I, I think Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell are one and the same. They refuse to do the bubble for whatever reason, which is proved to be – just absolutely perfect uh, up until this point, knock on wood. But it's just, it, it boggles my mind that they can't find the decency to, to think about protecting these players after so many have opted out out of concerns of, you know, getting the coronavirus. The bubble city has proven to work and the NFL, if they, they still have time to do it, if they want to adopt it. And I think they should. The, the bubble, the, the bubble is the idea, ideal scenario due to the fact if you look at the, you look at the NHL, knock on wood, not one positive test since they got to the bubble. It not was, one. The NHL, not one positive test. The NBA, not one positive test. Major League Soccer, not one positive test. All bubble cities. Yeah. Now, we, we would get into baseball, but there's really nothing to talk about. The Red Sox are a dumpster fire. They have no pitching whatsoever, and they released today that nobody except possibly Xander Bogarts is untouchable for a trade. Nobody. Jackie Bradley, Devers, all of them. Nobody is untouchable. That was released, and I don't know if that's a blanket statement to try and get some of these guys to up their performance or if that's a true we have no pitching we have a lot of issues. Let's try and build for the next two or three years 
because we know this year is basically a bust for us. I just think it's Heim Bloom dealing with what absolute mess Dave Dombrowski left for him. He left him no no money to work with, terrible contracts, and and then said, "Hey, go and make a winning team out of this." I mean, the Red Sox are sitting at nine and twenty right now with a negative forty two run differential, and they're nine and a half games out. Behind Baltimore by almost five and a half. Like that, who, if you would have said, Brandon, even though the lack of pitching, do you think we'll be dead last in the division? I would have said, hell no. But we are sitting behind Baltimore at 14 and 14, Toronto 14 and 13, Tampa 19 and 11, and unfortunately, the team that just continues to keep rolling, the 16 and 9 Yankees. Somehow, throughout injury after injury, the Yankees continue to do amazingly well the thing that helped them and i hate to use this as a crutch covid was huge for them their their starting lineup in april was depleted due to injury like a disaster but then a couple months back their guys got healthy and they're they're just destroying it i i don't want to say this because boston's at the bottom but i'm gonna go ahead and use it unlike the nba who is completing everything and doing a full playoff, unlike the NHL, who had 8 to 12 games remaining in the season and having an expanded playoff, I would put an asterisk next to whoever wins the title this year in baseball solely because it's 60 baseball games. It's a half of season. And I'm just looking at the Red Sox roster, I'm just thinking – my lucky stars that that I only have to watch this for sixty games because I couldn't I couldn't do this for a full major league baseball season. It would be just such a bummer. No, and guess what? After tomorrow, we are halfway through the season. We will be at game number thirty starting tomorrow against Toronto. So we're only thirty one games away from the season being over for baseball, and we just keep moving forward. And by Not- Toronto, you mean Buffalo? Huh. By Tor- at Toronto, as since Toronto's been playing uh, Buffalo, yeah. yes, yes. I was like, wait, where is he going with this? But yes, uh, the Toronto Buffaloes, if you want to call them that. But uh, on the bright side, the thing that I do like to look forward to, how nice is it going to be to light a fire outside and watch the start of the NHL next season in December? If they continue to push forward with that, it's going to be great to see hockey on Christmas, it'll be great. You know, yeah. they could, maybe they could do something similar to what the NBA does with special uniforms with, that I'd like to see. Yeah, no, the NBA does a stellar job. Um, I don't know if the NBA has talked about changing um, changing the start of their season around, but I know that the NHL definitely said that they're thinking about starting in December, which we've talked about it before. Huge for the NHL because if they do it that way, they will not have to compete for television ratings or scheduling against the NBA. It'd be huge rating boosters. What are you going to watch? The Red Sox play game 35 or 65 in a regular season, or are you going to watch the Boston Bruins play round one game one on a Wednesday night? I mean, that that answers itself. Yeah. Anything with the New England Revolution? In fact, uh, there is a couple things. The first thing is the, the Major League Soccer has indeed returned to the regular season. They're playing in empty stadiums. Uh, and, they're, well, they're, well where's, where they're allowed fans, some, fan, some stadiums are allowing limited capacity. 
Um, but the Revs are playing at Gillette Stadium with uh, with no fans in attendance. Uh, the Revs played their first game back on the 20th. They tied 0-0 with Philadelphia. And it was pretty much a story of the same old Revs, which is fantastic defense, fantastic goalkeeping, and they just can't capitalize on their scoring chances. But uh, they have uh, two, new acqu- two new acquisitions, two veteran guys uh, highlighted um, by Tommy McNamara coming out of Houston. He's a veteran guy, has had uh, a couple national team looks, um, but he's definitely going to provide a very dynamic aspect to the midfield uh, and a veteran voice in the locker room. And in other uh, exciting news, we're going to have New England Revolution midfielder Scott Caldwell uh, on the podcast earlier um, or sometime this week. Uh, he's going to be joining me uh, for a sit-down interview, and it's going to be we're going to talk about his experience uh, at the bubble in Florida and uh, what to look forward to for the rest of the season. That's awesome. That that'll be a great interview. I can't wait, guys. The support you guys have had with us is amazing. It, it's not it's not Boston sports related. But I've reached out to a guy that's local now, uh, Kaz Grala. He runs in the Xfinity Series, and he replaced Austin Dillon when he had COVID last week. He's from Boston, diehard Boston sports fan. And I just wanted to see if I could get him on here. I'm trying to get him scheduled, hopefully, in the next couple weeks to where he can just talk about something a little different, racing in the north, racing in the south, and what it's like being a Boston fan outside of Boston, like myself here in North Carolina. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes my truck. It's got Boston stickers everywhere. It's fun sometimes, but um, having the midfielder on here is going to be an awesome interview. And uh, yeah, looking forward to some more new things to come guys. We're trying to ramp back up the Instagram. There's a lot going on right now. Um, As always, we hope everybody is safe, healthy and uh, positive. And let's see if we can continue a playoff run with our playoff teams that are in here. And uh, keep it moving, Carter. Yes, sir. But, guys, as always, it's all sports, all Boston, all the time. It's off the post. We'll talk to you guys later. See you. See you.